you for joining the Denver Podcast, the podcast that brings together public relations professionals and influencers. I'm your host, Vanessa Abron. Ladies and gentlemen, on this episode of the Denver Podcast, we will be chatting with Micah Stombaugh. Micah is the founder of the Mass Inc. or TMI, which is PR with a purpose. Micah is an Emmy Award-winning journalist who is known for her tenacity, positivity, and extensive network. She packages a decade plus of experience in Chicago media, working with CBS Chicago, City Hall spokespeople, and the VP of C Strategies LLC, to now offer nonprofits, small businesses, and women CEOs with consulting services, excuse me, unrivaled consulting services. Her clientele is made up of nonprofits, small businesses, and women CEOs. Dive in with me as we talk with Micah, and please note that all conversations are pre-recorded. Well, let's catch up. What have you been doing in the world of public relations, especially in this new climate? And as for those who hear this, we've met, Micah and I met several years ago, back when I was working at Johnson Publishing Company. And I was working with Desiree Rogers, uh, and you were working with a city official, correct? I can't remember her name. Um, I was the spokesperson for the Department of Business Affairs and Consumer Protection. Yes. So the commissioner was Maria Garela Pasek. Ah, yes. Yeah. I was not going to remember that at all. So much, <laughs> so much has like happened in life since then that it's a whirlwind sometimes. Oh, I know. And collectively, not at the same time, we both left and ventured out and became independent PR professionals. Yeah. I know my ride has been a roller coaster road about for you. Yeah, you know, it's it's been interesting. It's been amazing. I don't regret the decision at all. Um, you know, my career path has been very interesting and, and definitely not planned at all. I mean, I was a news junkie that wanted to work in, in journalism and went to school for that here in Chicago at Columbia. Um, I was there 10 years. I did every day I went to work and did exactly what I loved, whether it was positive, terror, horror, sad. Um, but I realized the writing on the wall pretty early on, I think. This was back in 2013. I realized that I wasn't going to make any more money. I wasn't going to have a better title. I had won an Emmy at that point for breaking news. I was young. I was like 28. I'd already started a company when I was 26. So I definitely have the entrepreneurial bug. My Both of my parents own their own companies. And... I, I kind of took a step back and tried to figure out what I liked about my day-to-day, what I liked about my job, and what else was out there. And so I took an offer from a digital news company that was eye, ear, brain, storytelling, long format storytelling. And it was on CBS's digital channel. And it was... Um, it was phenomenal for me because it actually let me, I stepped out of my comfort zone, right? I stepped out of, 
a salaried position where I had insurance and benefits and a 40 hour a week job and it it wasn't going to go anywhere. Right. But I also wasn't making the money that I wanted to make. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't living the lifestyle that I wanted to live. I was working, you know, in news, you work all the time. I was Mm -hmm. working, you know, I worked in the five, six and 10 o'clock. So I worked from two to 10 30 PM. And so my days were spoken for my Friday night was spoken for. So I really had one night a week, Saturday night to go do stuff. And you know me, I'm pretty social. And, and then Sunday was kind of the Sunday scaries, even though I didn't have to be at work until two o'clock, it was still like, okay, I gotta go back to the grind. And so when I left channel two and I, for touch vision, I was there eight months and I knew probably within the first week that that wasn't for me. Um, I am not techie at all. <laughs> I'm like, like my, if my computer or my phone stopped working, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm, I missed that cutoff of uh, technology experience because I'm horrible at it. And I'm 38. You'd think I'd be good. I'm not. So, but this company, you had to really do everything. And that is just, that was not my training. Like I was in the field almost every day when I was at channel two or on the assignment desk and I didn't have to worry about that stuff. So um, I quickly left there and I went to be a spokesperson for Mayor Manuel, which is where you and I met and was able to work with entrepreneurs and work with, you know, work with the city to see, you know, what entrepreneurs faced and how things were done and, um, but at the same time, working with the media, you know, telling the story, we rolled out rideshare, we rolled out Airbnb, we brought back happy hour. Happy hour was illegal when I started at the city of Chicago. And let me tell you, it is no longer illegal. I know. Um, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I do have my priorities. Um, but, you know, so my career path has always been within news and storytelling. And I was there for three years and, you know, there were some, there were some tough days. I was there during the Laquan McDonald time. And um, I don't think a position as a spokesperson for any city mayor is sustainable. I learned so much. I have amazing contacts, but that wasn't what I went to school for. And so it just turned into this public relations life that I had built and this network. And so I kind of married the two and I went and um, I worked for another company for one year doing PR because you have to, there's a year ethics ban. You can't do anything. You can't touch anything you did at city hall for one year in Mm -hmm. Chicago. And so I went and worked for another firm and I slowly realized like I could do this for myself. And so I built TMI and we launched January, 2018. Congratulations. (laughs) How does it, how does it feel? What are you like? You're over two years now, like two and a half years. So the, yeah. So I were, were approaching our third year. Um, I absolutely love it. I truly have can check can say that I've checked off all the boxes in my life for what I want to do accomplish because TMI has been so fulfilling. 
Um, you know, if family is going through something, if friends are going through something, I'm able to pause, um, have my team help me. If I need to go see a client, if I need to take a break, if I, if I had surgery, you know, I had surgery last December, you know, it's really stressful, but there's also the times when it's not so stressful that I'm able to, you know, kind of put on the crazy hat and say, okay, let's get our hands dirty and then take it off and say, things are calm right now. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, it's amazing. I have an awesome team, um, made up of men and women, young, middle-aged parents, um, people almost ready to retire. We hire a lot of current journalists, um, that are in, contracts where they're able to do outside work as long as it doesn't conflict with their current role. So we, we have a lot of people that work in the industry that um, give us great insight, are huge writers that really just like nail it on the first try. And so we, we get a lot of coverage. Um, we've, you know, we've placed thousands of stories in, in just a couple years and it's, it's awesome. Tell me about some of your favorite campaigns and caveat for any client that she mentions or doesn't mention. It's not a knock. It's just what she was able to think of at this very moment. (laughs) So I would say, you know, my, some of my favorite um, campaigns are the ones that really impact people. So we work with a lot of, mental health, addiction facilities, um, psychologists, just because number one, the world is off its rocker, right? And so we have four accounts that are either psychologists, addiction facilities, uh, treatment centers, mm-hmm. um, and, and just people in places that are there to help and nothing else. They want nothing more than to just help people. And so um, one of a really fun campaign was uh, a previous client that we don't have right now um, called Footprints to Recovery. They are a national company where they do addiction. They treat people with addiction, all forms. Um, and they they decided that part of their treatment was going to be that their clients would have to give back some way because they, they kind of always identified themselves as the people that needed help and not the people that were helping. So they did this campaign called socks of love and we did it two years in a row and they would, they, for two months starting in November, they would fundraise and get money and, and donations of socks because it's the least donated item ever. Really? Which is interesting. So when you it's go to so easy and expensive to get. Yes. So we, we came up with this whole, you know, campaign where people could just send dozens of socks of all sizes um, straight to their five facilities around the country. And I think they probably were getting about 10,000 each year. So they have like 25,000 socks right now. 
and they use and they used the clients that were going through the treatment before they were going to be you know released back into society as a way to show them that they they too have a big role and they too are can help people even though they're seeking help and so that was probably one of my most rewarding to see us get news coverage on that you know, all across the country because people could just go on Amazon and ship socks to them. Right. Oh, yeah. Or Target or Walmart. Yeah. 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 So it, it was, it was really, um, it was really amazing. Yeah. So that was, that's probably my favorite and they're, they're not a client. Um, they, they just, they, I don't know if they're working with somebody else, but anyway, but they were great. Do they, do you know if they need socks this upcoming year? I don't know, but I would encourage everyone to go check out footprints to recovery.com, their website and um, see if they do. Cause it's, it's a, it's a simple way. And even if you're doing donations at all this, this season, which we're coming on the season of giving send send socks. I never, I actually never, I never knew that. I never knew. Cause you think I would have thought socks would have been the most yeah, made it no. because it's so simple and so inexpensive. I know, but no, it's not. So we all learn something. When working with the different um, projects that you've had in the different campaigns, even though it's very like um, community driven and about helping others, have you ever had the opportunity to tie in working with influencers in any of these projects to kind of help spread the word beyond just media? Gosh, that is such a good question. So I am kind of old school. Uh, I feel like I'm an old soul. I love influencers, but I'm really particular about who, you know, an influencer can't just be someone that has done nothing Mm -hmm. and is cute and does silly things on social media to get followers, Mm -hmm. right? So my company is called TMI and our slogan is PR with purpose. And we, everything we do, every strategy, every email, every phone call, every thought is, is how can we accomplish the purposeful part of this campaign? And so, and we have clients that are in all kinds of budget ranges and some say, hey, should we hire someone really big to get? And I'm like, you know, you're a construction company or you're, I don't think you really need that. Like the, what's the purpose going to be for you? So I can say that we don't typically work with influencers. Now, what we will do is like, I consider, so Robin Harris, who is a Chicago woman, who's a client, I consider her an influencer. And she probably doesn't consider herself one, but she has such an amazing story, right? From Lawndale to Ford model runway, mm-hmm. comes back home to Chicago, designs clothes for tall women and partners with the WNBA and, and gives back to kids every month here in Chicago. To me, that's an influencer. Mm-hmm. I introduce, I put her with every client that I can for partnerships, right? Because I feel like that is a legit purposeful introduction and they're gonna make big waves together. Um, And sometimes they get paid, 
right? And sometimes they don't. But so I don't, I would say that I'm probably not the PR company if you're looking to work with huge. No, no. Not to cut you off, but I like where you were going with that. I think, and I, and that's the, and that's the reason why I want to have these conversations is because you're right. You shouldn't work with the influencer just because they, they're cute and have great videos, but it's yeah. about being an in, like, what is your influence on people in reality? Now, yeah. sometimes that trends because you're such a huge influencer in real life, you therefore may get a ton of followers on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. And that's a metric that can validate that. But yeah. that's just one way of measuring that. And that's not 100% true because I say this all the time. If someone has a thousand followers and then you have someone who has a hundred thousand followers, but yet that person who has a thousand followers can make phone calls to make different things happen. And these are the people that, you know, that can execute or make a difference or can give you the word of mouth that you need versus the hundred thousand that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Who has a thousand still is an influencer. So I think what happened is that it's a good thing. And it's a bad thing that we're figuring this out. Like it's just because you're, you have a certain number of people that, follow you on social media doesn't necessarily make you an influencer. And I think that's a conversation that we really need to have. And I think the fact that you do work with Robin is a very good example of how we should work with influencers, because like you said, she is about the community and, you know, the tie ends with putting her into a project makes sense. Yep. So yeah, I d- you yeah. S- yes, you are a part of this conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no, <laughs> and and it's so true. I mean, I I've always been. I mean, I'm an I'm a trained news person, right? So my thought always goes to, well, why are you an expert? How are you an expert? What do you do? How are you living this life? Are you every day trying to help people or are you doing it just because there's a camera on you right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the difference, right? I mean, if you have a hundred thousand followers and you're not giving back some way, you and I aren't going to connect. Mm-hmm. If you have a thousand followers and you're out there, you know, quote, right? Like he's, he's always out there doing stuff. And he's, he's another guy from Chicago. Like these people are truly putting their money where their mouth is. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's the influencer that I want to work with. I love that. I actually love that. Do you think saying what we said about influencers and working with the right sort of partners, do you think a lot of brands get get it missed the mark and how they are using influencers so i would say that i have seen influencer marketing fall hard during mm-hmm. covid um the influencer campaigns that I have seen here in Chicago from Chicago companies um, 
lately have been really well thought out. Um, and you can tell that people are working more them for their for themselves than they ever have before. I feel like before COVID, everyone had a team. They had a lot of people. This person does this, this person does this. And they were they there was a slight out of touch sense that I was getting from some people um, with their PR. And I feel like a lot of those people have now corralled it in. There's not so much of a team. It's the people that were really doing the work, mm -hmm. right? And there's not all these like, you know, hang-ons that were just like getting paid because there was money to pay them, you know? And I think that people are, customers and clients are more laser focused as to what they want and they know how to achieve it and they can lead their team better and their teams are smaller. So I do think the, and they, some of them are influencers themselves. Um, and I feel like those people are making a huge change right now in their own, in their own PR. Um, and I think the people that haven't, it's apparent. Mm-hmm. It's so, you know, one of the biggest things that I have personally done since COVID is um, in April, I launched an arm of TMI called All I Really Need Is. Um, because I had so many people calling me saying, okay, I know you have this big PR firm and you have all these big clients and you do all this stuff, but all I really need is a press release. <laughs> right? All I really is, you know, like a, a, a really simple website and a little bit of social media help or whatever it may be. Please tell me how you address this, because I will tell you that that irks me to no end. So how many times have you heard the all I really need is? Thousands of times. Yeah. Me too. So prior to March, I would always say, I have someone great that can help you here. I'll make an introduction. And I would just punt to the person that I knew, knew that could do that. And it was always, it always worked out. It was never an issue. And then I really started to hear these stories trickle in from friends that I have had for several years, decades, that have been freelancers that were without jobs. They lost their jobs and they were ready to do anything. And I was like, well, how do I help them? And it clicked in April that I was going to put, I have such a big network that I was going to put my people that needed help and the people that needed the work together through this one-off arm of TMI called All I Really Need Is. So it's been it. amazing. We've built this incredible database on our website. We have an All I Really Need Is page and you, it's, you can click and fill out the form if you need work or you can click and fill out the form if you can help people with you know a one-off project. And we just put the two together um, and TMI you know, is able, like it was such a big thing because I was a freelancer for, for so long mm -hmm. that it was so important to me to have them back at work. 
Mm-hmm. And this is our industry. These are our people. And so we have about 50 freelancers back to work right now. Nice. And it could be a from $200 project to, you know, $6,000 project, but they're working. And so how I do that is I, you know, people lost their big social media jobs. They lost their marketing jobs. They lost advertising jobs. Even people in the media have lost their jobs. Um, so we, I, I feel like I've been able to find this, this little niche area to get them back on their feet and, and help them through this time until they figure out what's next. And hopefully those clients turn into monthly retainer clients and I, and I hire the person. I'm definitely going to start referring people to that. Um, okay, especially yeah. that all I really need is because it has been a, it's because for me, the all I really need it. What I ha- what I see happens is they always say all I really need is this, and then you do that one thing. It's like well now I need, and it's like wait a minute, this has become you know bigger. But what you've done is that you've been able to take that and kind of like scale it and manage it so that you okay you want something else okay this is what you get next like yeah you know kind of like a menu of services I guess like many services 1000% it's a la carte and we put in there you know we were we also came up with a subscription-based PR model so if you want to pay a thousand dollars a month two thousand whatever your budget is we can work with it and you know exactly what you're going to get right and so, so there's this subscription model where there's money coming in every month and they can just peck at it as they, as they choose. Do you have copy editors in that? Um, copy editors? I could use more. I could use more. Okay. Yeah. I, I get a lot of feed. I get a lot of requests for copy editors. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I have two. I have two that I can, that I can think of. Okay. So I wanted to see if they, if you were the person to go to for copy editors as well, because that's one request that I get a lot. And I'm like, who, like I can edit, but I'm, I wouldn't call myself a copy editor by any sense. So for you to have been able to do all that you've done, of course, relationships are very essential and building your empire, um, building um, all I need is this and, and so forth. But I'm not going to ask you how do you develop relationships. I want to know if someone wants to develop a relationship with you, what do you recommend that they do? <laughs> it's funny. I Right before COVID hit, I stopped doing the, can I, I absolutely despise, and I don't know why, maybe because it sounds so, like I'm really friendly and approachable. I feel like not everyone might get that, but I, you can attest that to that. Like I'm very, always have been. yeah. Um, and when people say, I don't really need anything. I just need to pick your brain. I, I, I hate that term. Uh, don't say that. <laughs> if you said, let's go for a drink or let's go for. Oh no, you kind of paused out for a minute. Wait, I just missed all of that. So go for a drink. What did you say after go for a drink? So if you want to start a relationship, I would say you can ask me to meet for a drink. 
meat for a shrimp cocktail, meat for a coffee or an appetizer or even full-blown dinner. Like, let's go full-blown dinner, but do not ask to pick my brain. <laughs> I agree. Because once you have a couple of drinks in my system. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you the keys to the castle. Right. It's like you are, you're already picking my brain. I do think, and I actually have a friend. He doesn't work in public relations at all. He works in technology. But he said the same thing, like he he hates when people say, can I pick your brain? Mm. So he created um, a pick my, you know, pick my brain program, you oh. know? Yeah. So it was like, if you want to pick my brain, this is, yeah, you can pick my brain. Here's the link to sign up for the pick my brain program. That is, that's well played. Tell him well played. Eric B. Horn, shout out to you, my dear. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I, I just, I feel like. It's, I would rather someone say, I really want to do X, Y, and Z. I see you doing A and B. Can we talk about that? And can mm-hmm. maybe I'm, I'm, I'm missing something in there. I'd rather just have them say that, even if I don't know you at all, or, you know, I mean, we don't see each other in person anymore, so you can't come up to me, but, but that has always been the way that I've been like very direct. Here's, you know, I'm on this path to get here. I'm having a roadblock with this. I just need help with this. Mm-hmm. Right. Not, I, I need help to get from here to here. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's the better approach. I agree with you. So how can someone wine and dine you with it being a, a pandemic? Oh, I know. Did we like send you like a Grubhub <laughs> a coupon and we do drinks over zoom? Is that how that's fun? That is super fun. Off the top of my head, too. <laughs> that, that would be, yeah, that's great. That's very smart. Um, so I have been, I have done a bunch of Zoom happy hours with drinks. I've had people ha- do those, is it Drizzly or, yes. um, yeah, mm-hmm. the Drizzly deliveries to my house. Um, and I think that's really sweet, right? Um, yeah, I, here's the thing I am so willing to help people. I love, people help me along the way. They still help me. I have tons of mentors. I have mentees. We as humans get through things in with our pack. Mm-hmm. And I think that helping out others is key. Um, and, you know, I learn stuff from, from people all the time as well. Even my 12 year old mentees are teaching me stuff. Oh my gosh, you have trivial mentees telling me to, telling me to get on uh, on TikTok. Yeah, so I have six mentees, um, three at Saint Sabina and three at Saint Nick's. Mm-hmm. I am a part of the Big Shoulders Foundation um, board, chairman advisory council, and it's my pleasure to have those kids for an hour twice a month. Um, we, you know, they're, they're, they're from situations that weren't very sturdy. Now with COVID things are a little bit more shaky, a lot of unknowns. So mentors like myself are able to provide this safe space for them to talk, help out with homework, um, talk to their teachers, 
talk to their parents. I used to go take them. We used to go do field trips downtown and I take them lunch every month. Unfortunately we can't do that. Yeah. So I think it's huge. It's huge to, um, to have all age groups in your, in your network. So what did the 12 year olds teach you? Have you joined TikTok yet? No, I have not. I know. I have not joined TikTok. I'm getting the pressure, especially now with my new puppy. Everyone wants me to join TikTok and do these videos with her. Oh, yeah, because the puppy can do all the work now. Yes. Um, TikTok is hard, I think. Like, I feel like TikTok is easy, but it's hard at the same time because I'm on TikTok as a viewer, but I don't put content on TikTok because I feel like it requires so much curation yeah. That it, I don't Ugh. feel like it. <laughs> oh gosh, I, I I'll probably be so bad. I'm, like I said, I'm terrible at technology. Um, so my mentees teach me. You know, I I had a um, a childhood that was all about sports, and you know, like both of my parents were there. Like there was a lot of stability, but there, you know, the curious and the unknown questions that I had, I just never asked. I just figured, you know, one day I'll, when I'm an adult, I'll learn those things. And I wish I would have asked more. And they ask me everything. I mean, they, they go like, I'm like, okay, I don't know if we need to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) But they, they've taught me to still ask questions. Mm. And I was never a question asking kid and I'm definitely a question asking adult. I find that so surprising about you. Yeah. 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 No, I was, I, I was, I was like, Oh, I'll just, I guess I'll just learn that when I'm an adult, you know, and they ask so many questions and I love it. And I, I answered 99.9. There are some personal ones that I tell them. (laughs) I don't know. I got a funny question. This wasn't from a mentee, but I have to I have to throw it in there because I think it's so cute. So my friend, he has a six year old daughter and we were talking. And as we were talking, I was outside taking a walk and it was drizzling just a little bit. And, you know, it's a little chilly here in Chicago. So she's in the background and I'm talking about whatever. And I mentioned that I'm outside and she's like, oh, you're outside. Do you have a hat on? You need a hat on. And I was like, okay, mom, well, I don't have a hat on. I, I have a hood on my coat. Is I think that'll work. And this is me explaining this to a six-year-old. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you do. You you for sure try to over-explain. Yeah. And defend yourself and defend your decisions. It's what I also realized that like it's important to slow down when I see them, because we're, we're typically in this, um, you know, kind of lunchroom, this is pre COVID or, you know, extra classroom. It would be the four of us. And I would bring a pizza or I'd bring whatever they sandwiches and chips, whatever they would ask for. And we would just be sitting around sharing. And you could tell that their minds were racing before they got down there. And then when they were in the room, they had a chance to just like, sit and look around and look at each other and enjoy their food. But when they're around the kids, 
they're just, they're always going and it's competitive and it's no, hear me and no, I know this answer or it's, you're, they're distracted by what some other kid is doing and, you know, then they fight and then, right. So you see all this stuff happening in like a split second, but when they're down there in this room, they're, you, you, you can literally see them unwind. That's adults too. Like when you just describe that, I feel like a lot of my peers are the same way verbatim. Oh my gosh, so much going on. Got to do this. Got to keep up with this girl. Got to keep up with that. Get into a fight, not a fist fight, but maybe an argument or, you know, like some sort of disagreement with someone. And it's like, go, go, go. And as adults, we, that's the blessing in COVID. Like as much of um, distraught, distress that COVID has brought, it's definitely slowed us down a oh, lot. Oh, yeah. And I don't want to go backwards. Yeah. No, no. I don't know how many events I'll see you at going forward, Vanessa. I know because I kind of got used to my staying at home and looking at TV. Like, I don't want to do that all the time. Yeah. But I definitely want to do it more than I was. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I, I mean, I've implemented so many changes since COVID. I have you know, before COVID Mondays and Tuesdays, I would stay home. I never went to events unless it was a client event. Those are my two days like to myself because then Wednesday starts kind of the midweek and you have lunches and you have events and Thursday's event night and galas on the weekend. And, and I realized uh, you, uh, you go, 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 go so hard, so fast you're seeing the same people. There's really no quality to what I was doing and what I was getting out of it. It was very redundant, you know, and I, and when everything slowed down, you know, I, re- I remember thinking there were so many people that were like, Oh, I'm going to reach out to you so we can get drinks, but they never reached out because it was such a common phrase to say people felt like they had to say it just to pass time and, and, and be inclusive to the person that they were talking to, but really they didn't mean it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I'm, and I was guilty of that too. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that ever again. Like if I don't want to have drinks with the person and they probably don't want to have drinks with me either. <laughs> like, why are we saying this to each other? So I, I you know, I don't do that anymore. I, if I want to say no, I say no. Mm-hmm. I'm very comfortable saying no now. I never said no. I always was like, yes, I'll meet you. Yes, I'll be there. Yes, I'll do this. And I'm, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Or I just don't want to. Or it's not for me. Um, I've definitely, if you are not kind of focusing on being a better person coming out of COVID and focused on the positive things, I have eliminated a lot of those people from my life. And not to the extent where it's World War III, just it's known that I'm, that was really fun and that was great, but I'm, I'm moving on to be more productive. And you're great and you're fun, 
but that's just not for me anymore. Right. Yeah. And we also need the space really to recharge, like really recharge. Yeah. And I think, and I, and when I say really recharge, cause I think at some, sometimes we'll say, okay, I'm gonna take a break. And we only let our battery charge to 50%. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go and then we only get it to 50% again, not realizing that we fully charge the battery. Some of the things that we can accomplish, whether it be our level of creativity, how quickly we can get something executed is a lot better once we're recharged. Yeah. And I realized that I started making myself like take naps or rest when I didn't have the energy to do something because now I'm forcing it and it's not coming out and I will feel guilty about it. But then I started like resting, like, okay, let me just not do this and I'm going to rest. And then once I rest, what would have took me two hours to do while I was tired now took me 15 minutes Yeah, because I got the rest. So I, and I think a lot of times we weren't even paying that any attention. It's like, okay, we got to get this done. We got to get this done. This is due. It's like, We'll, we'll figure this out. Yep. And then sometimes we get so caught up in what we're doing that it's not even that important. Yeah. And not to say that it's, it's irrelevant, but it could be delayed. We could push that deadline back a little bit. There is room for us to have grace um, for in areas that we didn't expect. So what's, what's on the horizons for 2021 now that we're in the in the third quarter of 2020. Oh my gosh. So we just launched a podcast last week. Yeah. Tell us so we can support. It's called TMI Miked Up. We just launched our first one last week. Robin was our launch girl. She's amazing. I love her story so much. Um, Model Atelier, right? Model Atelier, yep. So I basically did it selfish reasons for my, for my clients because you can't, I mean, you know, as being a PR person, you can't pitch a sales pitch, mm-hmm. right? You can't pitch someone to let your client come on and just brag about all the great things they do. And I wanted that. I wanted to offer them that space. So it's like 10 and 15, 10 or 15 minutes and they just get to, you know, blab about themselves and love on their team and love on their products and share everything. And it's a big, huge fat commercial, but it's great. And people need that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I wanted that. I, I feel like people need to get used to talking about the positive things they do in life. It's not just this manicured script that they need to stick to. It's like, no, we're doing really great stuff and you need to hear about it. So so it's short, uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes quick and uh, super braggy. <laughs> Trust and believe that you will start to see some of my clients on here too. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's already in the work. So yeah. I, I, I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I, it was such a pleasure. This was a great conversation and you dropped some great gems for us. And I got to meet your new baby. I know she's. I'm sorry, I was probably turning around a lot. She's laying behind me on my on this chair. Oh no, you're fine. (laughs) How can anyone? How can we follow and support you? 
So, um, of course, on social media, uh, Micah Stamba or TMI, the number two, GSD. Um, the Moss Inc. is the name of the company. And, um, yeah, we're here. And what platforms can we find the podcast? So, right now, it is on SoundCloud, Google Play, and Apple. And I'm trying to get on more, but girl, there are not enough hours in the day. I understand. <laughs> For those who don't know, I have an intern named Maya who helps me with a lot of it. So. Yes, yes, yes. I know. We all need that. I have a Louie, but she's laying behind me, passed out on the job. Is she snoring? A little. <laughs> she well, I will let you have the rest of your day back. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. No, so good to see you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you again for joining us for the Denver Podcast. We look forward to having you join us again every Wednesday. Also, stay tuned for the book, Public Relations for Influencers and Content Creators by Vanessa Abron, the host of the Denver Podcast. 